something, but I don't know. But we gonna find out. We gonna find out in a minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Kurandaria, Kuratashia Handaya, Sikiriandaya, Abosia Handaya. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord wants me to, to let you know a couple things. He said, I love you. You. You, Diane. I love you. And I, many, many years ago, I pulled you out from among many. And made you special in my eyes, said the Lord. He wants you to know you are special in his eyes. And he loves you. He loves Diane. And the Lord says, I expect you to love me back. And I expect you to be more devoted to me. I expect you to look to me for more things, says the Lord. The Lord says, things that have been a challenge for you, he says, I never meant for it to be hard for you. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the Lord says, there are times when I knock on the door of your heart. And because you are wise and because you are creative, you come up with answers outside of my wisdom. But the Lord says, I am going to get you to a place where you love me more, depend on me more, speak to me more, check in with me more. And start incorporating me more into your thinking and into your plans, says the Lord. And you will notice that as you do that, I'll reward you. I'll bless you abundantly. Things will come to you in abundance where there used to be a trickle. There's going to be a flood. Because that's what I've ordained for you. And that's what I want to bless you with, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Runaway bride, run no more. You belong to me, and you are my bride, says the Spirit of the living God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And so if you are being yoked with Jesus, you're not just being yoked up for no reason. You're, you're there to put the word of God to use. And the nice thing about that is that he is the one that does most of the heavy lifting. So, uh, you know, yoke, um, uh, a yoke was put on two animals to level out the uh, weight of something that they were pulling. But, you know, oftentimes one animal was stronger than the other and would take the lead and, and pull. And the other one learned how to be guided and learned how to pull his weight, so to speak, because the other animal had more strength and was more experienced, did what was necessary to do. So, and then the, the strong ox was also had been taught at one point by a stronger one. And so then this is carried on and on from generation to generation. Amen. And so that's what Jesus really means. He, he means you are going to learn by putting things to use. And so it's the same thing, you know, when he had the disciples teaching them, he sent them out, he anointed them and sent them out two by two to do the work of the ministry. And then he would also meet with them afterwards or after he had done a teaching to the multitudes, he would take them aside 
and give them what I consider to be the in-depth teaching or the revelation of what he was talking about. They got a deeper understanding because they were students and they were called to learn. Amen? They, this, this information that he was imparting to them was something that had been reserved for, for them from the foundation of the earth. They were called to learn the ministry of the gospel so that they could then be the, the apostles, the chief apostles of the early church, and then could spread that knowledge in like manner to everybody that would come under their authority. And so that's how the gospel is perpetuated. It's perpetuated by this, this same chain of understanding through yoking and working in it as well as um, learning. Uh, and, and see, what Jesus always did was melded the two together. You learn how to do things as you learn in your Bible, so to speak. Jesus was their Bible. So what we're doing now in this dispensation is we are to be learning from the word and doing at the same time. You don't go away to some school and learn everything and then come back and somebody ordains you and all of a sudden you're a minister. Somebody should have been telling you, go out and minister to people as a believer under authority of a church, a ministry or something like that, and then you are raised up in that knowledge and that understanding of God. And so I think it's very important for people to understand how learning happens in, in God's kingdom and just to stick with that model, you know. You'll see people do crazy things like go to somebody's meeting outside the church and think they've learned something nobody else knows and run back and want to make a, you know, take half the ch people in the church away from the pastor who's put in place there. Just because they think they've learned something. So, and with God, it's not about learning. It's about yoking up with him and letting him teach you. You don't just out there, you're just not out there getting head knowledge on your own and it's going to work for you. It has to be done under the administration of God under the yoking of Jesus, and he has to lead you to what's for you and what's not for you, you don't have. You don't get a good, a big idea all of a sudden, I'm going to go to this meeting and get something that's going to set my life free when you've not been employing everything he's given you to receive where you are right now. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's like, like uh, uh, Elijah told Elisha when he said, I want twice as much of your spirit as you have knowing it that, that spirit didn't belong to him it was the spirit of god that was placed on him because he knew he would have to take his place and he said you've asked a hard thing so it's hard to get twice as much as the person who's over you and i'm not lifting myself up but that's a biblical that's a standard in the bible it's hard to get because you got to be diligent you got to be attentive you can't miss nothing you can't go on vacation you can't get mad at nobody and decide you ain't going to speak no more and then come back and catch up. Anyhow, I don't know why I go there, but it obviously it's a corner we need to turn because you need to understand what true discipleship is. See, this is what Jesus demonstrated was true discipleship. When we started this ministry, God told me, he said, I'm going to give you a format whereby you can train people to pray 
and you can train them as baby Christians. They don't have to wait to be 10 years old in God to be a big intercessor or something like that. And so we've always put people to work in this ministry. They come in with the understanding that this is a prayer ministry and you are the one to pray. When we have people that send us prayer requests and want you to pray for them for 15 years. And we try to encourage them, you live in town, you need to get into this meeting so you can learn to pray for yourself. There's no reason why you can't do this. Amen. And so when God gave us the mandate, it was to write the vision and make it plain upon tables or in your book so he who reads it can run with it. And that's what people do. Anybody can pick that up and run with that vision and get their needs met and get understanding of how to get their needs met if they will stay with the program. This is, what, this is where the trouble always is, is getting people to commit and getting them to stay with it. And so this is what Jesus understood about his disciples. At the end, they all abandoned him. Why? Because it wasn't going the way they wanted it to go. When you're being trained, there are going to be many things that won't go the way you want them to go. But God expects you to stay where Where else you going to go? Like he told Peter. He told Peter, so you going to leave me too? And he said, Lord, where am I going to go? You're the only one that's got words of life for us. Amen. And so this is how you gauge whether you're in the right atmosphere or not. Is that atmosphere bringing you life? Is it bringing you correction? Is it bringing you help for your situation? And where are you going? Are you going in the same direction God wants the group to go? You got me? You've got to weigh these things. You've got to understand when you're in the right place and you're not in the right place. And you've got to understand that God has a right place for every single person that has ever been born again. And so it's good to stay where God puts you and understand that this is the nature of true discipleship. It really, really is. It's being committed. It's being consistent. The more you pour into something, the more you will receive out of it. And Jesus will teach you, as you yoke up with him, he will teach you how to flow in the atmosphere that he's caused you to flow in. Why? Because the grace or the permission of God will be in that place for you to do what you're supposed to do. And your life will work if you'll obey. Problem. It's hard to get people to obey things. Most people want to cut corners and not obey. Jesus isn't a corner cutter. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. This is how I do stuff. And if you're going to be in my kingdom, you've got to do stuff the way I say do it. And you've got to walk with me, talk with me, move with me. Whatever I tell you to do, you do. Whatever I don't tell you to do, you don't do. And I don't care how anxious you are to, to blow up and explode and all that stuff we like to do. But it's not going to happen if I don't blow up first and you blow up with me. But we, you ain't blowing up by yourself. You got me? So just let it go and quit daydreaming and get back where I want you to be and learn of me. Amen. The Bible says Jesus even had to learn obedience. He learned it through the things that happened to him, and he didn't raise his hand to stop it. Amen? You just rolled on with God and allowed God to help you through these things. So God gives you grace or divine ability 
to do certain things that are ordained for you. You're not graced to do whatever you want to do because you cannot hijack the grace of God. Amen. Many of us have tried to do it. We want to cut corners. We want to skip over this. We want, how much stuff are you going to skip over? Huh? You can't even do that in stupid school. Huh? I don't care if it was public or private. It's stupid compared to the knowledge of God. Amen? You can't even do that there. You can't scoop over stuff and, and get them papers you're looking for that is so important to you or the grades you're trying to attain. You have to take care. You have to do everything. You have to do what's expected and then some and ask God to do more. That's what you do. And so Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So he is teaching us. And one of the things that he is teaching us is that his grace is sufficient for us in all situations. That means that if, if you cannot go beyond the grace of God, if you don't have grace to, to get out of something, then you're going to have to walk through it. You're going to have to wait it out. Or you're going to have to find some joy in the midst of it. So it's up to you how you want to go through, but you're going to go through. Amen. Everybody has their seasons. Everybody has their times. You can't rush your time just because you can't rush uh, baking a cake. Now, you can put in that microwave if you want to, but I'll tell you from experience, that thing ain't going to cook no cake. It ain't going to be like an oven cake, that's for sure. So you can't do everything in the microwave. Now, then people tell you you can. And you go out there and get one if you want to and go throw some stuff up in there and see what it turns out like. You got me? And so you can't fast forward everything to suit where your impatience or your desire to have things out of season. You've got to wait until that, that season, the maturity comes for it before you can reap your harvest. But you will receive grace to endure without that thing. Huh? And you don't have to grumble and complain all the way through. You can be joyful. You can be content. You can be peaceful throughout situations because you have God's permission and you have his blessing and you have his divine uh, upholding in your life to keep you and sustain you through that. So if you turn to Ephesians 1, we'll, we'll continue there. We were talking about these different definitions of grace taken in context in the Word of God. Ephesians 1 and verse 6 tells us, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, where he has given us freely acceptance in the one he loves, or in the beloved of God. In him we have redemption. That's how you have acceptance. You have redemption through his blood. Amen. And so God has graced us to be accepted in the beloved of God. Now, beloved was a term <clears throat> that was used for people's, uh, the ones who were closest to someone. Amen. Uh, John, if you think about John the disciple, he would always refer to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he was the beloved of Christ. He knew he was loved, and and uh, he loved Jesus back. So the beloved is would be someone who is easy to love. 
Now, what makes us easy to love? It's the fact that we have the new birth. If it weren't for the new birth, we'd be very, very oh so hard to love. Amen. So we're made easy to love by virtue of the new birth. And that new birth has given us the grace to be accepted by God and accepted in the beloved of God and accepted in God's company wherever we are. So, for instance, if you are invited to um, a meeting in California, you don't know anybody there. You can walk into that meeting, and if God is in control of that meeting, you'll fit in just like you belong there. In fact, you know you belong there. Now, you, the devil, sometimes kick up and put some crazy people up there like a crazy usher that wants to be powerful and tell you, you can't sit there, you got to sit somewhere. You know what I'm saying. But you are accepted in the beloved because you don't have to be a member. You don't have to pass any initiation. You don't have to have a ticket. You can just walk in and you're, that's part of what that grace is. So you have grace to go wherever God leads you and receive from him and be received as a brother in the Lord. Why? Because the grace is there for that particular activity to help it happen in your life. Sometimes people say, well, I went somewhere and I spent all that money and I didn't get anything. You weren't graced to be there. Amen. Amen. God didn't lead you there. You just thought you were going to get there and get something. You had a big idea. huh? Tried to hijack the grace of God. We met some people. They were very nice people. Uh, Tony had met him. Uh, he was working at a, a hotel where they were having a conference. And these, this couple was a ministry couple sat out in the in the hallway most of the time and complained to him and they said man we spent all this money up front to come here to this conference and this guy is talking crazy we don't we've never been in a meeting like this before they said we're sorry we came here we spent all this money and they wouldn't even sit in the meeting they sat out mostly in the lobby or went to the restaurant or they would ask tell them where to go to have you know good meal or something like that but they were definitely disappointed. Why? They weren't graced to be there. If they were, they would have been there, sat there, and got something out of it. Amen? So grace assures your success in things where you spend your time. That's why a lot of times people say, well, well um, uh, they're having so-and-so uh, meeting here in Cleveland. And then, you know, prophet so-and-so. Uh, gave this prophecy and Cleveland's important. Well, Cleveland's important just like Detroit or any other place is important. You understand what I'm saying? I don't get excited about, you know what I'm saying. It's, listen, God can do it here, there, anywhere. I don't care. He's God. You got me? So that don't make us important just because, you know, some prophet said he saw a vision and God's going to do things here. He'll do things anywhere people want him. But see, I'm not graced to get involved in that. So that's why I don't go. That's why I don't tell y'all about it. That's why I don't waste your time going places where you, you don't have time to waste on. And I don't either. You got me? I don't go every single place and try to pick up crumbs. My father has a place for me at his table. I sit at the table and receive what the father has for me. I don't have to go around and glean crumbs off the table. You don't either. And understand that. You're not a little garbage can where you get so desperate for, I just, I don't know, I just go pray somewhere. Go sit somewhere and pray. 
and go read go back over some old notes or something but understand that you know i'm seriously you know people get all wound up about uh, i don't know if i'm in my calling or not or eh, whatever you know i know i'm in mine so i don't know what to say to help you except do likewise chill out go pray get full of the word get full of the holy ghost and go lay hands on 15 people somewhere (laughs) get some of that fear of man out of you you know what i'm saying your life will be full if you (laughs) you get in there where god is and start doing what he tells you to do everybody in here has got is empowered to go preach the gospel to somebody to lay hands on somebody amen and that keeps your life full you're not bored you don't think you out of your calling are you waiting on god to open another door for you better go through what's open huh so we are graced to do those things you know you're graced to to anytime you want to you can pray and ask god god open the door for me to go and speak to somebody today instead of doing your little rush rush that you always do Make yourself available to God to some of them crack addicts and dope addicts and sinners that you walk past all the time. See, that's, a, that's an available ministry for everybody. Amen. If you step up in a pulpit, what would you do? You, you know, I was a believer first. I ministered as a believer to everybody. I terrorized my whole apartment that I lived in. I wasn't but six suites in there, but I had everybody scared. You talked to her recently? Oh, she talk about God all the time. Yay! That's me. Huh? And he's coming for you. Huh? Amen. To save you from yourself. So you have to perfect these things. When you yoke up with Jesus, you learn what he wants you to do, and you're never questioning or at a loss for what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Come on now. We're way beyond that way beyond that start doing if you're doing a few things do more because you can obtain grace to to do as much ministry as a believer that god wants you to do amen so uh, in uh, in ephesians 170 goes on to talk about the riches of his grace amen in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins and uh, in accordance with the riches of god's grace so there's a lot in god's grace that we haven't even tapped into yet and it there's wealth there folks there's ability to get into doors that are closed to other people there's ability to to do things that are locked away from the normal individual there's much there that you can obtain in god just in his grace just in what's available to you as a believer and so there's riches there maybe material if that's what you need that's fine but wealth goes way beyond what's perishable of this life and of this earth this earth's goods it goes way beyond that sometimes your riches will be the patience that it takes to allow god to work on your wayward kid until they get some sense in them and come back to christ amen or it might be to live with a spouse who really isn't responding to the things of God and to know that, that they will respond to God and they will be a worshiper and they will serve God, all that kind of stuff. So there's ample riches 
in God's divine ability. You know, grace is the divine ability or divine influence on your heart. And God can open your heart to understand people. He can open your heart to be patient with people. He can open your heart to go the extra mile with them and continue to pray for them and continue to uphold them before God, knowing that they will come into God's kingdom. You got me? That, that's that got to be a must. That's a must-do for believers. It, it's got to be because you can't leave those people here, you know, and you know. You know the way to salvation. You know the road. You know everything. And so that, that is your responsibility before God. And you are graced to be able to do everything necessary to get the job done. You, you'll see them saved. You'll see them worship God. You'll see just whatever is in your sight to see. You'll see it. Now I realize on some days they ain't acting right. But that, that you're not graced to not act right with them. Amen. Your grace to continue to hold on and believe God for them in spite of what you see out of them in the natural. Amen. So these are the, the things that God wants us to know. They're, these divine abilities are available to all believers. I mean, this is our work here, folks. Our work is the gospel and nothing more, nothing less. It is the gospel. I was watching a, a somebody, a, somebody I met, the, the guy that connected me with the ministry that uh, we got those tracks for um, police officers and first responders, those tracks we received. Um, well, the gentleman who told me about that ministry is 71 years old, and he walks the strip in Las Vegas day and night passing out chick tracks. See, he's graced to do that. We all are. We could all hit the streets and pass out tracks 24-7. You understand what I'm saying? But he's picked up on it now. And he is so given to it that every day, priests pray for us as we go here, go there, go this place, that they never stop. 71 years old. What's our excuse, huh? We are graced with the same. That's part of the riches of the grace of God. He'll keep him going as long as that man wants to be alive and get up and pass out tracks. God will keep him going. Amen. Amen. So you're graced with long life to serve God as well. And Philippians 1, 7, if you'll turn there. Philippians. I'm on, I think I'll pick this up in the King James, only because the writing's bigger. <laughs> I'll be nice to myself today. <laughs> My eyes are saying, quit torturing me. Philippians. He says, Paul says, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense of the confirmation of the gospel you are partakers of my grace so he says both in the defense of my bonds in other words a defense of um, and confirmation of the gospel so he says that these people are partakers of his grace to go forth and preach the gospel 
and to be bond servants right along with him. So those who are over you in the Lord that you receive from, you become partakers of the same grace that they partake of. You got me? Now many people don't like that. They don't like the bad stuff you go through. You understand what I'm saying? But you are partakers of the grace of God to be able to go through that and receive the reward that God has for you. He says here in the NIV, he says, It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. So the grace of God that falls upon the person that is over you in the Lord also falls upon your life. Amen? The grace to receive favor, the grace to receive blessing, the grace to receive anointing and power and ministry, all of those things are available to you. It's out there for you to have. I remember when I was, uh, uh, we were, I was talking to Miss Nola about uh, preaching, and I told her, I said, well, if you think you want to, I said, I think you can, can put together some sermons and stuff like that, you know, in, in God. And, and so she looked at me funny, and I said, I said, you'll have to find the anointing to do that. And she looked at me even funnier. Amen. But what I meant by that was that door's open to you. Now you got to learn how to work with God to put it all together so that you don't get up there and embarrass yourself, embarrass me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know. And so then people begin to understand that they are responsible on their part for what they present. But God is with you. Now he's with you. There's an anointing there. But you're going to have to find it to work with you. Just like I found it to work with me, Pastor Shirley found it to work with her, you find it to work with you. You got me? And that's true of everything that we do in the Lord that you are called to do. You got me? And so when you understand that, then you'll understand that the grace of God is freely given to all people to do, though, what God wants you to do. Because you cannot hijack the grace of God. My goodness. You know, people think that because they've been around a long time, they're supposed to get up in the pulpit. That's just not true. You, you are called from the foundation of the earth, and Jesus is the head of the church. He's always, the, he's never not, he's not ever, never not the head of the church. And he calls all the shots. And so if he's made up his mind, do you realize there's stuff he's planned for you to do with your life that's been planned before the earth was even here? And he expects you to cooperate with him and yoke with him so that you can learn your part. I don't care how restless you get. I don't care how you think you've been doing this for so long and you ought to be farther by now. That just backfires on so many people. I, you know, it, it's heartbreaking, really, from my perspective, to see that backfire on people the way it does. But you see them get up and move because they think this we ain't doing nothing here fast enough for them. Amen. They don't let you do this over there. They don't let you know. I'm not letting nobody do nothing. Hopefully it's God that's letting you do stuff. And he's teaching you and he's training you to do things. And so you, you sit and you watch people step out and make a 10-year a mistake. Ten years 
floundering, not doing anything, finally halfway come to their senses and realize they moved when they should, but they were totally convinced they should. And this is the power of deception that will get on people if you keep letting your mind wander over into the realm of dissatisfaction. I'm bored. I'm not doing much here. I'm telling you there is plenty for you as a believer to do. You just need to get about doing the Because your grace to go out there and confront your fear and start witnessing Christ to people. So all that's wrong with people. They're scared of people. Amen. But see, they get in here, and this is a captive audience. They want to get up here and tell, give you a bunch of mucky muck. Huh? Like the backroom prophets, they always going to hijack somebody. You talk to these people alone, and they so confused and disjointed in their own life, but yet they got a word for everybody. You understand what I'm saying? You're not graced to give a word to everybody all the time. Uh, that's what you want to do if there's a place for that that's called Facebook you can get on there do your business for somebody prophecy Uh, yeah you (laughs) you were the one who thought it up that's your your word for you and so we're 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 graced to do certain things folks and not not more than that If you start doing what God's put before you and do it well and learn how to overcome challenges to the grace that's upon your life, then you'll find you get over into a higher realm of doing more for God, and then you can really start to move forward. But don't think, I'm not holding you back, honey. I want you to excel. But I know before you get before you get beyond here, you're going to have to master what's here. God doesn't promote people who are not faithful where they're called, huh? It's just true. I've noticed people when they stop praying with their prayer partners, pretty soon they're missing from church, and they're pretty soon. Well, I think God called me to go somewhere. I said, "Well, go." I want to say because you ain't doing nothing here. You got me. Skip church, skip prayer. How much are you going to skip and think you're participating? But they want to hijack the grace of God and take it someplace else and do something else with it. Can't do that. That's not your grace. That ain't your power. That ain't your anointing. You ain't paid nothing for that. Amen. And better be obedient so you don't lose the little bit you got. We all on testers down here. (laughs) Praise God. Colossians 4. It says, let your conversation always be with grace. In other words, ordained by God seasoned with salt in other words make it don't be a turn off to people be appetizing to people so that you may know how to answer everyone so then god graces you to have the right answer for everybody in every situation amen you just got to believe that the grace of god is there now when we talk about 
knowing how to answer everybody. These answers come through your spirit, not through your head. Uh, nobody wants your opinion. Nobody wants your what you tried to do and it didn't work. People want a success story from God so that they can know that they can put their confidence in God. And so the writer here says, you may know how to answer everyone if your conversation is full of grace. That means no kidding around, poking fun, all that kind of nonsense. It wears out pretty soon. And pretty soon you won't be able to find the grace of God to get back into a normal conversation with people. You got me? And so you have to make sure that your your conversation is always full of grace. I mean, sometimes there's more in you than you will know if you let the Holy Spirit fill your mouth with words. Amen? That's how we come to find out what we're capable of, what God's called us to do. All of those things come through this this grace this unmerited favor divine influence on your heart and god will will cause you to find the the right words and patience to do what he wants you to do i remember uh someone breaking all the rules you know and and wanting wanting prayer you know does god have a word for me and I was talking to that individual, and, and I said, well, let me call you back. Because <laughs> I didn't want God to have a word for them. Because they've broken all the rules. They don't need no, they deserve no word. You ain't done the last thing God told you to do. Sure enough, God has a word for them. Why? Because of the grace of God. See, I had permission to give them a word, and I tried to block it with my attitude good thing I'm not God (laughs) he's him and I'm me so if, if you're dedicated to just go as far as the grace of God allows you to go you'll find yourself doing many things that you and your little deserving legalistic don't do this don't do that you can't have this because you didn't do this right. You'll find yourself doing many things in that that don't compute in that mindset just because God is a merciful God. Amen. He's a merciful God. Hmm? That's what got Jonah in trouble trying to second guess God and <laughs> tell me what he wasn't going to do. You see what I'm saying? And so I don't want to get in trouble with God, so I humbled myself call that person back said let me correct this god does have a word for you man and you know you have the grace to give it with a smile and with a right heart and a pure heart and all that kind of stuff so 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 your speech needs to be with grace and seasoned with salt you have to have god's permission to say what you say don't go over don't go under but allow God to use you to speak as he would have you to speak. Paul always prayed and blessed them that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ would be upon them. Why? Because he knows you can resist the grace of God. You can frustrate the grace of God. You can go about your own way and not operate in that. And so he wants God's people to always 
be have God's permission in their lives to do the things that they spend their time on. If it doesn't come from God and doesn't count with God, it's really not worth getting involved in, folks. And so don't let the enemy take you on a tangent somewhere and tell you you're supposed to be doing this, you're supposed to be doing that, and you're frustrated at every turn. In fact, there's no grace to do that right then. Now, we say grace is available to us through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Amen. So when, when God starts to put faith in your heart for certain things, then you know that pretty soon the divine permission will come or the open door will come or the grace will follow because it follows faith that God has you working on. Now, suppose you walk away from faith. Suppose, for instance, God is telling you uh, that he's going to give you a better job and tells you, you know, just stay where you're at. And, and I'll bless you and I'll promote you. That's very common to do. That's, that's how God does it. Understand this. The reason you have to stay there is God's proving you in something that is going to be necessary for your success at the next place that he gives you. For instance, if he tells you you're at a job, you don't like it, the people aren't right, blah this, blah that. Everybody's been there. And so he'll tell you, he said, well, I'm going to bless you and promote you. You start to get in the word and understand in your heart that God has something. He's going to answer that prayer for you. More money, better position, whatever it is that you're looking for. But yet you're still in the place and you don't like it. Don't let your dislike increase. That's your cue to start going back to liking where you are. Be the best employee you can be there. Go in with a good attitude, a smile on your face, because you have the grace to do a good job, but you don't have grace to do a bad one and please God and stay there. See, don't get yourself mixed up with the unbelievers on the job that go in the coffee room and run the boss down and talk bad about the company, and they keep going higher and higher, and you're still there. Well, God, you promote them. I can have a bad attitude and get, no, you can't. See, he has a higher standard for his children, and he's getting you in line for something much greater than just what you can ask or think right now in the place where you are. If you can keep a loving heart, if you can keep a pure heart, if you can keep a grateful heart, you can be thankful to God for your job that you hate and you think everybody there hates you too. If you can thank him for it every day, pretty soon you'll have enough understanding of what God expects so he can trust you and move you on. Because your promotion may put you in a hotter hell than you're in right now and you'll never last there. And you'll be without a job. You got me? And so God is protecting you from yourself. Amen. So he gives you grace to stay right where you are. But you're not, grace does not entail murmuring, complaining, uh, threatening to quit, talking back to the boss, being insolent, having a bad attitude. It doesn't grace, you're not graced ever to do those things. Just stop it. Don't be, a, don't be a retaliatory person because 
God gave that to you. You're doing things as unto the Lord. God gave you that job. Amen. And he gave it to you. You're going to have to find how to be blessed there. Because the blessing's on you. You've got to know how to release it right where you are, anywhere you are. So God wants us to abide in his grace. Faith will open the door for more grace. Amen? But you've got to operate in the realm of grace that you have. Yeah, I see people all the time. God called me to be a prophet or an apostle, and, and you know, they don't even know how to get their own needs met, getting ready to leave, let some people fall in the ditch right with them, you know, if God don't stop them, or people aren't smart enough not to follow them. You know, that's what usually happens. Sheep get real smart when trouble's there. Huh? They scatter in a minute. <laughs> As preacher, did you hear Pastor so-and-so was in this kind of trouble? Shoom! They don't even show up anymore. And so, and that's a protective thing in God. You got me? Yeah, because he doesn't want you to go down with the ship if you don't have to. Amen? But everybody's always called to something greater. And they haven't mastered where they're at. You got me? It's just true. You've got to master some things. You've got to confront some things. You've got to, you got to uh, uh, overcome some things in order for God to, why would he trust you to lead people, innocent sheep, that don't know anything and are looking to you to, to teach them and help them to overcome their own problems and you haven't overcome any of yours? Now I'm serious about this. You know, before I, before I got to the place where I could minister, I had spent five years with a nervous breakdown. Trust me, I know how to get a mind healed from demonic oppression. Huh? I was married to a man that I thought hated me for at least the first five years of my life in God. You hear what I'm telling you? But see, most of y'all don't even want to be bothered with people don't like you. I'm telling you the truth. You don't get before people just because you think you're called and it's, it's your time. It is you, you got a prophecy and it's your season. Where would I? Where could I take you to if you if you were married, Chuck, and your husband started cutting up, and I said, "Oh, Chuck, it's gonna get better. Come on, let's pray, girl, or let's go shoot that brother one or the two, but we gonna get it better." You understand what I'm saying? See, when I tell you that, I tell you that from experience, authority, and the word, and understanding, and overcoming. You can't just jump up in front of people and you haven't confronted. It. Tell them the truth, Jan. See, Jan, will tell you about back in the day. The sister was rough, wasn't she? She was ready to take the brother out. And he God, if you don't come through, he coming to heaven today, saved or not saved. You're going to see him by midnight. <laughs> but see, I learned how to love. There's something that comes in your heart with the grace of God that's called love. All right? Love doesn't put itself first. Huh? It's not all about me when you walk in love. Amen. And it's genuine because God works it in there. When God works it in your heart, it's in there for real. Amen. 
half-baked people and never, you know, and they always sick and they always need in prayer and always don't, don't, don't be, you know, crazy, y'all. Let's just understand this. Understand this. So Paul said, you're partakers of his grace. Let your speech be with grace. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you. Amen. The church has given God's grace to fulfill his plan for their lives. Make sure you're in God's plan for you. Since grace is divine ability, grace is afforded as for God approved things. He will not grace you to do things he does not approve of. Amen. Now, you might survive the aftermath, but he didn't tell you to do that. It might shock you to a fight. Now, this was in my little personal notes. It might shock you to find God approves of housework, cooking, job hunting, doing your job, and serving your family. That is serving. 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 Now, when is a servant not a servant? All right, never. You're always a servant. 24-7, you're a servant. That my husband would come home sometimes and say, what you been doing all day? I said, I've been making a lovely home for you. Huh? I always had an answer. He said, you're right, baby, you're right. What can you say to that? I've been making a lovely home. My Jewish sisters taught me that one. You make a lovely home for him. I said, I'll receive that. I'll take that. But my, my heart's desire was to see him succeed. Now you got to say this. When am I going to get... No, 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 no. My heart's desire was to see him succeed. It's interesting because he always wanted to do well on his job. And so I always put my faith with his in those areas and he always did well. I knew something was wrong with the day he told me. He said, you know, I don't think I want to go to the next level here. He said, I think I'm going to retire right where I am. And I said, something's not right. And the next year he was diagnosed with cancer. And so what do you do when you've invested yourself in somebody else's success? Well, you keep the investment there. You don't withdraw your investment because you see that person not wanting to go forward. You keep your investment in that individual. Amen? Because you're committed. No matter where it would take him, I was still invested in his success. Being healed. Being comfortable when he didn't get healed. All of that. You stay invested. You have the grace to do that, folks. You don't pull your grace out of somebody's life because... It doesn't seem like it's going to benefit you. You know, you died a long time ago. Huh? You know, I looked to God to reward me. I wasn't always, what am I getting? When am I going to get? You can't live like that. You make yourself crazy living like that. Huh? And you'll miss it every single time. 
because blessing can be coming your way and it'll walk right by you because you're, man, win, 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 win. You don't recognize it if you see it. Huh? It's true. Faith works by love. You've got to be in the spirit of grace to receive more grace. I had grace to witness to him, grace to encourage him in the things of God. Huh? Grace to repent when I didn't accept the grace. You know what I'm saying? That's how you live. That's how you live married. For those of you fairy tale princesses. Huh? But you do your job. You do what God commands you to do. You don't marry somebody because of what you can get from them. You'll be lacking a long time. Man, from God? God will never let you rip somebody off like that. He won't let you do it. Huh? Why would God do something that to some poor Christian man who's praying for a good wife and he's saying you rip off queen? Huh? The clean up woman. Hmm? You better get your heart in it. Get your flesh out of it. Hmm? So we're given grace to fulfill his plan. God gives you grace to do everything. From housework to, I would I would say he blinds people sometimes to what it really is about. Where are we doing, Tanya? Oh my goodness! I can burn the house down and build it back. But uh, I can remember not wanting to to iron my husband's shirts. I think I told you this. I was I was <laughs> I was saved, but you know, still prickly. Oh, loose ends here, a little, you know, a little hair out of place here and there. But I never liked, and I always liked, uh, what's that, uh, um, permanent press, except they didn't come out pressed. Yeah. And so you had to do a little ironing. So I would sometimes ask him, I said, you wearing a jacket tomorrow? Well, you know the story, girls, and I iron the front and not anything else. So we just iron the part that's showing. God forgive Biddy get hot and have to take his jacket off. He's just in bad shape. But God told me, he said, you need to learn how to do that now. You know, let's cut it out. No more shenanigans. you got to learn how to iron them shirts. And I did. But I never thought I did a good job. And so I was always trying to send him out to the laundry. I said, look, a dollar a shirt, that's cheap. Well, he said, no, no, I like the way you do them. I said, huh? You talking? <laughs> where? You know, ladies, where? You know, you talking to me? Talking to me? Um, I couldn't believe he liked them. Because I always disliked it. You see what I'm saying? And so I think, too, when you go in the grace of God and do your best under the grace that's afforded to you, God makes it. He adds something to it that makes it supernaturally acceptable to people. Now, I don't know. The shirts might have been done fine, but it was something there that would have been missing had I not done that. And so, God, I believe if you'll do things through his grace, he will enhance that. He'll enhance the effect of it. It'll be super duper to somebody. It'll be better than anything they ever did before. You know, it's like uh, like uh, Tone was saying. He said, yeah, Tip made some pulled chicken, and I'm pretty excited about it. 
I said, Sam cooked the chicken, and I made the barbecue sauce. I said, well, if you're excited over that, I got something that's really going to send you up the chimney. But see, it's the grace of God that you move out of where you do something to serve somebody out of a heart of love. You got me? Because you want to please your family, that kind of thing. And, and it has that supernatural effect on the person that receives it. You got me? This is how God helps us. You're not, because you have to do something for somebody, you're not bent out of shape. God's not bending you out of shape. He's helping the little bit of effort that you put into it. Amen. And so it, it's a good thing to know that you have the grace of God. And I'm not saying get in there and do stuff sloppy just to see God make up the difference. But I'm saying your best effort with a pure heart, God will take that and enhance it and make it something more than what you think you put into it. Amen. So, so things go better with God. Whatever you can do or, or you can do in your will, God can guide you to do it better. God gives you an upgrade over what you could do on your own. Amen. His grace, if you let go of your pride about things and you're trying to prove yourself every five minutes and you're trying to make it so that you're the top dog, God will enhance everything that you do. When we take off with something and we don't submit it to God, we're attempting to have divine success with human effort. You want divine success with human effort. For example, I'll give you an example. We're given a project on our job, and we see it as our chance to shine. But God has other plans. He wants the glory. So he's leading us to do it a certain way by his grace, but we charge ahead in our own strength, hoping to knock it out of the park and impress somebody, and we fail miserably. You can struggle and you can fret over everything. It's like if you say, for instance, as a minister, I think you should always prepare what you're going to say. I don't go for this, don't open your Bible and wing it kind of stuff. You know, you're just not honoring God when you do that. The Bible says to study to show yourself approved unto God. Quit studying when God says you've studied enough. And so when you, when you open that Bible, you honor God. That's what I believe. And I believe God will show up and he will help you. But you can't just get up in front of people and try to wing it, amen, and think that God's going to show up because you won't, it won't happen for you. So then God, if we struggle, we have a miserable effort and just get by because our flesh takes over and we don't allow God's grace to influence us to go all the way. And so this is what happens. Many times people will do things like they'll get involved in, in uh, their work and their job, and they start out praying and asking God to open the door for them. And as soon as they walk through, they slam it in God's face. They don't let him go through the door with them. Of course, until trouble comes, and then you're calling on him. But God wants to be yoked to you every single day. He wants to teach you how to trust him minute by minute in your normal day-to-day affairs. There's nothing too small that God does not want to get involved in in your life. He will help you with all things. He wants you to be successful in all things. 
and there's a grace in God to help you to accomplish all things. So when we see ourselves going through the door, see yourself going through with God leading you through that door. Don't you dare go through that door and start plotting what you're going to do this day, what you're going to do that day. You're going to show them this, you're going to show them that, you go, oh, I got great ideas, blah, this. Don't even try it, okay? You're God's person in that workplace. Okay? Oftentimes, we don't know that God's grace is available to us, even in small things. So I'm here to tell you it is. And it's there in abundance in that we can be successful in everything we set our hands to. It does not matter the adversary that meets us when we walk in the door. There's not a situation you can get into that the devil won't show up at some point, at some time, to try and hinder your efforts or stop you from going through. And see, what we have to do, and this is something that I see Christians stumble on a lot, you have to recognize at all times that you never wrestle against flesh and blood. If you start boiling it down to certain people are against you, and so you're going to lose every single time. See, God says that we wrestle against principalities and powers. And see, some people wonder why they keep having the same trouble over and over. The same stupid devil that chased you from the last place God placed you is going to chase you out of this new one. As long as they're disguised in human flesh and you want to fight flesh and blood and you don't know how to fight the devil that's underneath that's causing all the problems. See, this is rule number one for watchmen. We should learn this in Watchman 101. But see, we still, and, and the other part too, is that you can't make people accept you and love you by playing to people. And, you know, you waste all your time. And then you're more frustrated because that devil don't like you anyway. He's never going to like you. And so they, they cast you out instead of you casting them out. You see what I'm saying? And so we have to always understand where the grace of God is for us in every situation. If you're in your home working with your spouse, your children, in your job, where in the church, wherever it is, there is a grace for you to accomplish what God wants you to do and come out victorious. Amen. And when I say victorious, I mean all the way down the line. You don't smell of smoke. You're not whining and complaining. You didn't suffer loss. And you can retrieve anything that's taken away from you because you recognize you're not dealing with people now. You're dealing with flesh and blood. I mean, you know what I'm saying. You're dealing with spiritual forces. And see, you've got to be in the spirit to deal with those spirits. If you're in the flesh all the time, you'll never be able to overcome. You'll, you won't even believe it's not people that's against you and holding you back. And when you, can, you can set up a recite in, in all the scripture, but when you get in your situation, yes. Uh, yes. then it's people again. Right. Why? Because you're not yoked up with Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn what I'm trying to tell you. If you don't learn anything but this, people are not your problem. They never have been your problem. They never will be your problem. Amen. If people are a problem, you've got some learning to do, Lucy. You know what I'm saying? You've got to get, get there in, in with God and the Holy Ghost and understand.
Because what happens is you get in situations where you have anxiety. Do they like me? Don't they? That devil, you are a liar. If you're an anxious person and you're, you're a man pleaser, you'll always try to please man in order to feel comfortable. See? It's not about your comfort. It's about your obedience. See? If you don't understand that, then you've got some more Lucy learning to do. Because you, you, we do this all the time as individuals. We watch people's reaction to us. We look at their faces. We look at this. We, they said so-and-so. Did you notice? They, <laughs> well, God never told you to notice people. People got devils and you do too. Huh? You don't have the grace to notice people and still be a normal person. You make yourself crazy paying attention to people. But you go inward and you check with God and ask God if he tells you it's significant. If he said don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And go somewhere and go to sleep. But see, you can lose a lot of sleep wondering if your boss likes you or not. I can tell you right now, your boss is going to have an attitude towards you the devil tells her to have or him to have. On, every, on any given Monday, they might like you and they might hate you. But that's got to make no difference to you whatsoever because if God tells you to stay on that job, you stay on that job. You have the grace to stay there. And you have the grace to prosper. You just have to look at the right thing. You can't look at people. Telling you again, you can't look at people. Amen? I don't care what they call you. It's the first thing they want to, and that's kind of common in this day and age with all these, you know, liberal people wanting to tell you what to think and tell you what to say and all that kind of stuff. They're hurt over everything somebody who has confidence says. You got me? So they're just going to be a crying sensation because I believe God and I trust God. And that's, you understand what I'm saying? But you can't let the devil hijack you into being concerned about flesh and blood and what they think. Now, if somebody says you offend them, you apologize. You understand that the important thing is to make peace. You got me? But don't make it your job to make them like you. Got me? We accept by faith that God will find us the person of our dreams. This is grace in relationships. You have grace to love people, not hate them. Amen. You have grace to respect people, not disrespect them. When you fall out of grace, you've got to get back in again through the blood of Jesus. You've got to repent and make that right with God and with man. God's grace gives us faith. And then faith gives us more grace. That's how you move step by step in relationships with people. You can't be their BFF the first time you meet them. Got me? You allow God's grace to develop relationships for you. Well, we're all invited to believe God without doubt in our hearts. 
the main thing that will hijack God's desire and his grace in your life is doubt. Hmm? Doubt will creep in and hijack the grace of God because it will say God's not going to do this for you. You've got to do this yourself or it'll give you a better idea. You know, he says, well, this isn't working and I don't know if I heard God or not. Let me try this over here. Amen. And you'll find out you cannot hijack the grace of God because you can go down that street and it won't work for you. Sometimes we take the natural route in finding companionship. Say God promises you a spouse. He pretty much promises everybody that. Unless you're over in Asia somewhere smuggling Bibles all day long. He got a husband or a wife for you because you need something to do. Huh? I mean, that's how you develop relationships. God says, love me and one another. How are you going to love somebody and you don't know how to meet people, get close to them? Scared of everybody? You understand what's scared of being rejected? Oh, you don't know what I've been through. I know what you're going to go through if you don't straighten up. Because huh? the devil deceive you, you be running to a, a convent somewhere with a black habit on saying, God told you you're going to do this for the rest of your life. Well, I thought it was kind of cute. Everybody getting too serious. See, this is the problem. Too serious. That hurts, Barb. Do you know there are people who have been hurt in life? Yeah, you're looking at one. But I don't wear a thing that says, he hurt me. He hurt me. I got seven tattoos. I've been hurt. (laughs) I've been hurt. Don't touch me. You got to come out of that to overcome. Huh? Or doubt will creep in and say, nah, 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 God, you, you, don't, you don't want to get married. Not right now. Oh, you've been telling yourself that for 40 years. Huh? It's never not right now. And we don't have enough sense to know there's doubt. And you attack doubt with the word of God. Huh? You confront that thing. You say, no, devil, God has somebody for me. Huh? And, you know... It's just lunch, mats.com. I don't care which route you go. God can tell you to use some of them things. Huh? If you're graced to use them, you're graced to use them. See, we think anything except somebody dropping out of the sky with wings in their back is not God. Huh? Christian mingle? Oh. I just can't mingle with people. Well, you know, we'll work on it. Huh? Mingle with enough people at the church. Your job. Ask God to start showing you what to do next, how to pray next. But don't hang around in the in the room of doubt forever. Good gravy. And don't jump out and do nothing on your own either. You've got to find the grace of God to do these things. You think them people on Christian Mingle are really not Christians? Well, it's got somebody that's really, it's got to be somebody that's really uh, 
hot after God, like you are, right? <laughs> they'll leave you and they smoke. <laughs> it's got to be really serious about God. Well, I think that might qualify a lot of people more than you know. Huh? Some of these brothers serious about God, they leave you and the baby for six years. You understand what I'm saying? God called me and I'm going. Now you just ask God. If I meet a brother that you know put on a uniform every day, and I'll pray for him to come back home every night, and you know, <laughs> keep this little place until we get some bigger and then some bigger. You know, if it's your will, you know, if not, we just be right here, but we gonna serve you. Amen. If you're hot about serving God, then stick with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh Lord. You know, if if we need to learn how to not jump ship after we started out in faith. You're looking for grace that's not available to you yet. You want to move on to the next step in the process and it's not opening up fast enough for you. And so you want to jump ship and hijack the grace of God and make it work in something you want it to work in. Amen? I'm telling you, it's going to backfire every single time. So you're going to be stuck. Listen, if you're stuck, get happy where you are. Let me put it to you that way. Just, just be content. If you feel like your life isn't moving fast enough or you're not getting enough of what you think you've got coming to you right now, then just learn how to be content where you are. Paul said, you know, Paul was in prison many times. He learned how to be content in prison. Huh? He sang to himself. He worshiped God. And I'm telling you, whatever you're doing in the place of discontent, you need to do the same thing when you get content. Just always keep God in the forefront of everything and you'll make it through, beloved. But trust me, you will be changed when you come through those things. You know, I, I was in the conference where you all were there. I got a prophecy about uh, husbands. 